Well, our readings from the New Testament from Acts chapter 16. And we're going to read the first 15 verses. And if these sound familiar, yes, I've preached on this passage twice before, as I've been reminded already, back in February 2017, when a preacher's nightmare walked in, David White sat on the back row with Betty, and then in February 2020 in the evening service. But, but, we'll talk about that uh, in a little moment. Uh, Let's turn to the Word of God. We're going to hear about how Lydia's world was turned upside down. Then Paul came to Derby and Lystra. Behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. We've been hearing about him recently, haven't we? The son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. But we all knew his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Why? Because they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Now, when they'd gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach a word in Asia. After they come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, we're now in Greece in Europe. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. We sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptised, she begged us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. You know, one facet of Christianity that sometimes isn't really concentrated upon is how men and women are both equal. Some religions have women as second-class citizens, but not Christianity. And that's perfectly plain to see in God's choice of the first Christian in the continent of Europe, Lydia. So, three things to mention before we launch into the sermon. A preacher's predicament, a preacher's prerogative, 
and a preacher's prayer. And I've already mentioned back in February 2017 and February 2020, I have preached on the subject of Lydia. But the woman with the brilliant memory said, should you be preaching on it again? And I thought about it and I said, why not? Which leads us to, secondly, a preacher's prerogative. And thinking about it, how often can you preach, for example, from John 3.16? We'll never, ever exhaust John 3.16. Now, Beryl has lent me a brilliant book. I thought initially, oh, very kind of Beryl to pass on this book, but the more I'm reading it, the more I'm enjoying it. And it's bite-sized theology called Incomparable. And it's all about the theology of God and the facets of God. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. How often can you sing Amazing Grace? Can you ever tire of it when you really, really think about the words? So how often can you think about Lydia and concentrate on what God does in the hearts and lives of individual people and give him the glory? You can't do it often enough, can you? So a preacher's prayer. We pray that in this sermon there might be someone whose heart as yet has not been opened and they hear, perhaps for the first time, and understand that it's God who opens a heart. Christianity is not just an intellectual response or agreeing with a certain viewpoint. Christianity is something radical when your world is turned upside down. Now then, we carry on with some more Ps before we come to the main three points of the sermon. I've written these words down. We could think about God's perspective and his view of evangelism, which must be the most important view, what God thinks about evangelism, not what we think about evangelism. We could think about problems with evangelism, which usually come from people involved in evangelism, and that's what we read about earlier with the story about Timothy. We could think about progress in the early church and God was determined that the gospel would spread and not spread just one way into Asia, but spread the other way into Europe. We could could think about how sometimes Christians, in a manner of speaking, can prevent the gospel because we think we know best when in fact it's God's gospel and God will supervise its spread. We could think about the importance of preaching in gospel ministry, of prayer in preparation for gospel ministry, of personal evangelism, of profession of faith and of proof of salvation. So can you see when you come back to a subject in the Bible and somebody or people say, we've heard all that before. No, you really haven't. Because you haven't sat down and perhaps thought about it and the subjects which come out. Which is why it's important that we don't just breeze through the Bible. But Billy takes time looking in depth at certain subjects so we can really get the benefit out of it. Because that's what the word of God is for. Your word is like a light unto my path. It's food for our soul. It refreshes us. 
and you never ever know. It's like someone, I think, someone, a young person growing up, and say they're about 10 years old, and they hear a Beatles song, and they suddenly think, these are a brilliant group, and then somebody says, yes, that was 60 years ago. You're joking. Sometimes a light can go on, and we suddenly realise, salvation is in the Lord's hands. Isn't that what Jonah says? Salvation is of the Lord. And that is what is reinforced here. So what three points can we think about today which will give glory to God and help feed our souls? Well, turn with me to verses 9 and 10 in Acts chapter 16. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after we'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Pastures new, Europe, a large continent, now a very secular continent, unfortunately, but in years past and centuries past, a very blessed continent. It's where the Reformation started. It's where some great Christian leaders have come from. And here is the first time that the gospel goes to pastures new to the continents of Europe. You might remember that some people said to George Curry, they were hyper-Calvinists. They believed that Christians would become Christians, come what may. So they said, in essence, there's no need to send out missionaries. God will bring his people to himself. Well, we would disagree with that, wouldn't we? Turn, please, to Romans chapter 10. And let's see what Paul says to the reasoning about that. Verses 8 to verse 17. Here's how Paul answers that question. Well, people will come to faith. We don't need to do anything. No, says Paul. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We say amen to that, but Paul says, ah, there's much more. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Now he's talking about Israel, but this could refer to anyone. For God so loved the world. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of 
God. Help, says a man in Europe. We're coming, says Paul. We know that the gospel can be applied to every person in every country, in every clime, of every background. We believe in the power of God to convert all those who call upon the name of the Lord. So a plea is followed by God's providence. Now then, how many times do you take for granted the simple fact that you've got food on your table? Or in the case of Azaria, food in a bottle. Did she say grace before she had that? (laughs) Do we say grace? Do we thank God for the simple things of life? How many times do we pray for God's speed, God's journeying mercies? You know, we can read verse 11 and just pass it over. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. But not every journey by every person ends in that way. So last night I was driving through Ormskirk. I was driving down Bridge Street, and my friend Paul phoned me. Did you know there's been a bad crash at the top of Green Lane? No, I don't, I said, but I'll go there straight away, and sure enough... A Ford Fiesta written off, every airbag deployed, going too fast down Hans Lane, pulled out in front of a Kia Picanto, bang. Police were there, AAA of Leyland, who pick up every crash vehicle in Lancashire, went to pick up the pieces, and two young men looking very crestfallen at the side of the road. Their car had been written off. And I put the story on our Facebook page, and somebody said, yes, they were driving too fast. How many times do we recognise that God has his hand upon us in the simplest of journeys? So we get to our destination in one piece, despite that idiot on the mobile phone who's cut us up, or someone who's got bald tyres on their car and nearly crashes out of control. I remember when we were going on our holidays to the uh, Cotswolds once, and we were driving down the M6 near Haydock, and a brick fell off the back of a lorry. Fortunately, we're in the Land Rover Discovery, because if we weren't, we wouldn't be here today. Bounce, 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 thud. Anything smaller or lesser, we wouldn't be here. But how many of us just take it for granted that we will go and get there safely and come back again? God's providence was at work here. He will always look after his people, no matter what situation they find themselves in. God's providence has his hand over the weather. The good news is that the Sefton Pride Parade in Southport Town Centre has had to be radically scaled down because of the weather. So it's now in Southport Market Hall. It's a shame it's ever taking place at all. But Mike will be interested in this. The Goodwood Festival of Speed has for the first time in 30 years been cancelled today because of high winds and health and safety campaigns. I was only thinking today when I took Pippa for a walk, not that she can understand me, Pippa, the wind bloweth where it listeth. The wind has a mind of its own and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about. The Spirit of God has a mind of its own and we cannot control it just like the wind. It blows this way and that way. Well, God's favourable wind 
blew these men straight to where they were going. Because we hear, don't we, of times of Paul being in a shipwreck. And uh, we hear of dreadful uh, storms. That's what Jonah had to confess. But when he was caught in a storm, running away from God, God brought him back on course through his providence. And Jonah, down on bended knee, has to confess, yes, salvation is of the Lord. And that's what God would have us learn. Because these men were going somewhere and it was meant to be. So our third P is something which is very contentious in some churches, but we be leaving. It's the doctrine of predestination. God means things to be. Paul and his friends were meant to obey the call, the plea they heard. They didn't ignore it. How often are we the opposite? We know somebody needs some help financially, spiritually, physically, but we walk away. Oh, somebody else will do that. Somebody else will help. No, we've been given gifts and talents and abilities. We should listen for the plea. But they were meant to hear that plea and they were meant to obey that plea. They were predestined to do that because God's hand is on every single facet of Lydia's salvation. She was meant to be saved. So they were meant to have safe passage to Samothrace and Neapolis and end up in Philippi. It was meant to be. They were meant to go to the riverside and Lydia was meant to pray there. She didn't find an excuse. Oh, I've had a really busy week. I'll just not meet with my friends today. She was meant to pray again and again that God would reveal himself to her. I see that John is going to speak tonight, and I won't be here, I'll be at Stanley Park in Liverpool, but John is going to speak tonight on perseverance in prayer. So all these things were meant to be. And, praise God, he was always going to open her heart. It's rather like having a camera, and you zoom in, little by little by little. So first of all, we start with the world. For God so loved the world. Then we zoom in onto Europe. For God so loved Europe. Then we zoom in onto Macedonia. For God so loved Macedonia. Then we zoom in onto Philippi. For God so loved Philippi. Then we zoom into a riverside. And the people who met there. For God so loved Lydia. And then we zoom in to Lydia's heart. And we read something amazing in verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was listening. Do you listen in church? Frequently I don't. Frequently, and it's a sad thing to say, I can be really tired in church. But we're meant to listen. There's a man in the pulpit who's been working and praying and asking God to bless him. But as Billy often prays, our hearts and minds can be a million other places, but not in Lydia's case. A certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. We're not meant to be impressed by that, but we are, aren't we? First of all, she was a woman. Secondly, she had a very good job. Thirdly, she was held in very high esteem. She was well connected. 
If they'd have had LinkedIn in those days, she would have been on LinkedIn. She would have been an influencer. She'd have been on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. People would follow her. What's the latest fashion? What's the latest commerce? What's the latest thing you've got in, Lydia? What can you sell us? What can you advise us? But none of that mattered, because here was Lydia with her priorities right from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. It was all meant to be. So somebody says on the flip side, oh, so we don't need to pray. We don't need to witness. We don't need to know our Bible so we can not quote scripture at people to, um, to impress them. But God willing, have a word in season to speak to people. I was very, very upset. I had to go into Ormskirt to a particular shop and um, young lady, she should have known better, probably 19 or 20, just let out with the word Christ. I said, that's not very nice. I don't like that word being used in that way. She looked rather crestfallen. But anyway, so be it. There's so much bad language now with young people, which reflects back on the fact that they never have school assemblies. They don't know the worth of the Bible. They don't know the reality of taking that phrase, OMG, and all the other things that they say. They really don't know that one of the commandments is, do not take the, God, the Lord's name in vain. God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. But here we have the focus, not just on Lydia, but on the Lydia God came to know because God revealed himself to her. So yes, we do send missionaries out. Yes, they do preach. Yes, they do pray. But in the final analysis, it's all meant to be. But how do we know she was really saved? How do we know that Paul wasn't such a domineering personality that she said, I'll do anything to get rid of this man? We've all been there, haven't we? We've known people and we'll just say anything to please them because they've really got under our skin. We don't like what they're saying. They're exposing us for who we are. And so we'll just say, yeah, I do believe that. It's a curse of modern evangelism, isn't it? People who just say, I believe, but are never, ever, ever truly converted. Was Lydia truly converted? Yes, she was. How do we know? Because the Lord opened her heart. With God, all things are possible. And secondly, we can see in three simple ways, she proved that she was a Christian. Paul was not the most popular person with everybody. We read on, don't we, about, well, in the very next verses, the slave girl possessed with divination and Paul and Cyrus were put in prison. Well, you're not friends of those jailbirds, are you, Lydia? We think you'd know better. You've got a good job, a good house, a nice husband, a nice family. Why do you want to throw it all away and throw in your lot with these strange people and their strange message? We thought you were good enough, Lydia. You're a nice lady. You've got good friends. You're well respected. Three things. First of all, she believed. She personally believed. She believed what Paul said. She believed Paul's message and the Lord opened her heart to believe. 
Secondly, verse 15, when she and her household were baptised, she was baptised. Now we know that one of the proofs of being a Christian is being baptised when we make a confession. We are trusting in Christ. We've been christened. We have sorry, christened. We have been we've dead to sin. We're alive in Christ. And thirdly, I was struggling for another bee. It's terrible to think of bees all the time and peas all the time. But it suddenly came to me. She offered bed and board to these men. She'd never met them before. She'd heard this wonderful message. She went home to her husband. We've got visitors tonight. Rather like one of my favourite films, In the Heat of the Night, when uh, Sidney Poitier, uh, Virgil tips a cop, and he's falsely accused of murdering a white man. And nobody will have him. So uh, they go to the black mechanic and he says to his wife, we've got company tonight. And Virgil Tibbs, the Philadelphia police sergeant, is going to stay in his old shack because nobody else would have him. Well, here's Lydia going home and saying to her husband and children, we've got company tonight. Who is it? I want to introduce you to this man. So you see, it's not just enough to say, I believe. Baptism makes a statement before a watching world. And bed and board, hospitality, spending something, doing something for people, rather than thinking, well, Paul, it's been lovely to see you. And it's been lovely to see you. Oh, no, she says, come and stay at our house. I want And she persuaded us, I want to hear more, to hear about you, to hear your testimony. I really believe. So Lydia's world, as our title suggests, was turned upside down in an instant because it was God's work and God's doing. And the question we can end with, has your world been turned upside down? Not your religious world, so that you just believe these things, but your whole world, so it has an effect on you. And you're known as a Christian because you've been baptised, and you're generous, and you're kind, and you want people to hear, and you're willing to speak to people, you're willing to be a personal witness, you're willing to have a word in season. Who knows what happens next in the life of Lydia? But one thing we do know is that one day we will meet her and we will find all about her. Her world was turned upside down when she became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.